I um I did um I did work out how long it would take to walk from New Zealand back to Manchester. There's oceans in between though. Well, yeah, but you know you gotta get on a couple of boats and that, but you know, <laughs> but literally like to the next island, walk up it. And then once I'm in um Indonesia, it's yeah. landlocked then I can I can walk all the way until I get to uh France or Norway, How depending long on which take, way. Like a, a year. No, so it's if you go non-stop with no like you know working a little bit to kind of get some supplies and money and whatnot, it'll take yeah. you three three years. Yeah, that's like that's like I had to read a book in like grade school, and it was some dude that walked across the whole world. It took him eleven years. Oof. Started up in Canada, walked all the way down South America, flew over to Africa, all the way up Africa through Europe, through Asia into australia but like walked the whole time i want to know what pushed him over the edge i don't know i think he said something like he had to find himself um, the story's yeah. really strange because he has like two small children that he leaves behind and like a wife what? and stuff yeah it's it's a really strange story oh okay yeah i, I pictured some like 18 year old right some half hippie no this guy was like 40 or something oh. Maybe it's kind of like my future. Who knows? <laughs> if I just drop off the grid, you're like, fuck, I know what he's doing. Just he's walking across the world. Yeah, just just leave him be. He's kind of, he's gone off the rockers. Lost a couple of marbles, you know? Seriously, I, that was a that was a weird story that they made us read. We were like yeah. 14. Maybe, they, maybe they're trying to uh, give you a little hint. You know, they're like, our, our they're classes like, are kind of overflowing here, guys. We need to drop a couple students. A couple people can come walk around the world for a few years. It would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe come back in a decade or two. Or don't. <laughs> Find another place to live. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can picture my teachers doing that in school. You know, just, just get out, you get. Come on. Here's a little, here's half a sandwich and a bloody tangerine and bugger off, mate. <laughs> Figure out the rest. <laughs> I'd take the free food. I'd be like, okay. It'd be like the Hunger Games. You know what I'm in? Count, count me in. <laughs> but anyway, I'm super interested to hear about your sport because from an outsider looking in, right, yeah. it is literally like my worst nightmare because <laughs> I'm so fucking scared of heights. I guess it does look a little crazy from the outside. What do you mean a little crazy? It's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> but at the same time, like everybody wants to watch it because it's so cool. Yeah. So first of all, what is it? Second of all, how did you get into it? And then what the hell goes through your mind when you're up there? Well, I guess, I don't know what, like what it is. Like, it's just, most people have done it since such a young age. Like I started at five. So it's kind of like written into your brain a little, if you think about it, it's like, it's like, like writing, like you don't think about how to write because you learned it at such a young age, like your hand knows what to do. So it's kind of like when I get on the board, I just know what to do. Like my, my body knows what to do. You don't have to think about it. So that's like, that's one of the reasons I think that like, to us, it doesn't seem as scary because like we've done these dives so many times, you know, I've been doing this for 16 years mm. that I have like a, 
you got to have like a trust in yourself at this point. Mm. Like sometimes if I get nervous too, like, I just like, I don't think about it. I'm like, I'll just forget it. Like you'll figure it out in the air. You know what to do. Like, just don't even think about it. So, hold on. I say this quite regularly. I don't worry. I'll figure it out. Right. But I'm not jumping off a board and literally <laughs> falling down to earth. Um, so <laughs> what do you mean you'll figure it out in the air? Like you've got like three, less than three seconds. How long like, are you in the air for? Yeah, probably about three seconds. I only do the three meters, so it's not too, too long. It's still too high for me. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. You get in the air and like all of a sudden, like, like I know what to do. Like, yeah, my so body cool. will like, it'll get into position. Like it'll twist at the right time. Like I'll like get into the right position. I'll like, so it's only like little things I have to think about if I'm trying to make like a correction in my technique, I can like simply think about like, Oh, keep your arms a little straighter. And the rest will like comes from like years and years of like having yeah. done it before. Or like, you know, when people like, like, uh, I'm guessing like boxers or like fighters or something, you know, they've done those like punches so many times throughout their career that like, they don't have to think about it. They just say like, Oh, I'm going to throw a punch and they throw a perfect punch. Mm. So it's like a little, a little of the same thing. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this dive. So then like I, my body knows how to do that dive. Mm. Yeah. I can relate to that. You know, it's the same yeah. with weightlifting, you know? Yeah. Um, Like, you know, with a snatch, you're going to get what? The whole lift's going to take you, what, two, maybe three seconds from the floor yeah. above your head and dropped it. Like, it's not a lot of time, right? And even during that, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a little off. I was out of position. And you kind of yeah. half a conversation with yourself. Obviously, you're not yeah. constructing sentences because it would take too long. But you kind of bounce from word to word, and then you can kind of correct or overcorrect. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah, I get that. Exactly. Yeah, and it's the same thing, like, weightlifting, too, even, like, I've been lifting since I was, like, 13, I think, and, like, you know, it's similar, like, you kind of, if you've been weightlifting long enough, you know the right technique, you know the right position, yeah. and you kind of just do it, you don't have to think about it, like, even now, when people ask me, like, oh, like, can you help me with this lift, what this is, I'm like, I don't really know what the right technique is supposed to be, I just know, like, How that the way I do it automatically mm. is, like, the proper way, since they, uh, we were taught like really young. Mm. Was that for so, diving? Yeah. Wow. So like we lift like three times a week, like an hour to an hour and a half kind of thing. Wow. That's, that's really, really interesting. That's something mm -hmm. I wouldn't have kind of paired up those two spots, but that they are quite similar in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also a lot like uh, if you look at the, the event, I do the three meter. Mm. like the board's springy and so you need the muscle to like push down on it mm. and then even at that um since you're trying to push down as it's coming up like the force that your legs have to have to like use is like multiplies like exponentially so you have to be able to to like not have your knees buckle or have your legs like stop working with the like everything that's going into the board so like mm. the stronger you are the higher you can go because the more force you can take. Do you just do the power movements or is it the full movements? Uh, I mean, we do like squats, uh, deadlifts. Ah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Like not, not the Olympic lifts. Uh, we do, but not as much. No. Mm, mm. 
we don't put as much uh, emphasis on those. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was um that's what I was um on about of like I didn't think about pairing Olympic weightlifting and yeah. um and diving, right? Yeah, no, it's not a it's yeah, it's more like strength based, like not mm. but Olympic Olympic lifting does help too. Like a lot of people do it because of the um like the speed you have to get and the like mm. precision it helps like build the right muscles to get the speed and the precision in our sport. Yeah, for sure. And the power transfer, like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't really replicate that. Like overall strength, that's obviously going to be powerlifting, right? The big three, mm-hmm. but yeah. in terms of power, it's, it's, that's weightlifting, you know, you've got to move this yeah. fast. And yeah. um, I find it so interesting. Um, you kind of look back through like ac- academy level, collegiate level of, of sports mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, power movements of weightlifting to supplement said sport. And those sports just, they're all over, you know, whether it's bloody horseback riding, pole vault, rugby, like it's, it all helps. Right. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, most, most sports I know uh, in the NCAA, at least like do weightlifting. I think pretty much every sport at the university here does some type of weightlifting, like to supplement their their practices see that that's where sorry what were you saying i was just gonna say it's also like injury prevention like you know if you don't train like those muscles that your sport doesn't work like one of them is going to give out at some point yeah for sure like you know stability above head as well with the shoulders Mm -hmm. you know like um but that's where i think most of the countries and i'm going to use my country for example like the uk can like take um a leaf out of the the states's book right because their kind of snc for specific spots is mm-hmm. light years ahead of of the uk like unless you're rolling in money and you can pay for a private coach yeah back home like you're not getting anything i mean i think that's one of the reasons that like so many people like athletes do come to the states yeah for 100%. college because there's so much support and you know other than paying like most international athletes because like i don't think there's many other countries in the world that cost as much for college as the states so like most international athletes it would be like oh go to school for free so they would only come here on like scholarships and stuff so if you look at it that way they're coming here for free and then the support you get is like unmatched like you know we have like uh trainers chiropractors massage therapists like on demand pretty much like you have like full health care. They speed you ahead of anything in the, for the hospital system, for surgeries, for MRIs. Like uh, there's a, uh, again, the, the weightlifting rooms are always super nice. Like, and then uh, even like, I find one of the, one of the great things with the NCAA is the, the um, coaches have somebody like on top of them. They like, they have somebody they have to respond to. So like if a, athlete is being mistreated they can go to like the administration department or something and then like they deal with the coach or if they're like working them too many hours or and doing other things that they're not supposed to like and that just doesn't happen at least for me in Canada like there's not really somebody that's overseeing the coaches like there is but they usually don't really care yeah 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 I can relate to that as well like back home it's just like uh, figure it out you know yeah unless you want want to kind of give some pounds over and pay for it now nah, go fuck off figure it out and then you know you get the top 
0.1% who make it play pro Olympics, world, world, um, world championships and all that type of mm -hmm. stuff. Okay, fine. But I look at it as in a sense of how many athletes, professional athletes who could have made a living playing sport, right? Have we yeah. just broken or pushed to the wayside because we don't have like systems in place. And yeah. then that ends up inevitably bleeds off into like, quote unquote, the wider society. Right. Because if mm -hmm. someone's been mistreated, you know, they've, yeah. they're physically broken. They now have sacrificed their education for a sport that they are no longer earning money from. What are they going to yeah. do? That's the other thing. Like there's so little money for sports. Like, like, you know, you got the big sports, the football, the soccer, the tennis, the golf, basketball baseball but at the end of the day most of those are male sports first of all that mm. people are paying to watch and even the women's sports that do make money like it's few and far between like the athletes that make it mm. and so the support is just not there like at least here you know they're paying like your school your food your rent your rent they're paying everything whereas like if you go in Canada, they have a very good support system, but I know in a lot of other countries, they don't. And so, like, if you don't have that, like, you can't practice because you have to work because you can't pay rent. Like, you yeah. can lose so many amazing athletes. So this is this is really interesting, you know, because I kind of have a taste for it. One, I've worked with a lot of really fucking talented athletes. Um, and two, you know, everybody tries to play pro ball or something, yeah. right? Um, but anyway, I was having this conversation just in a morning class. I finished up just before we started mm -hmm. talking shit. Right. And I was kind of, kind of introducing the idea of athletes identity is their sport. Right. And then when that's kind of taken away from them, whether it's the end of the career, whether that's an injury or whether they just don't make it, mm -hmm. then they usually end up falling off the way, uh, the, the way wagon. Right. And yeah, athletes in in the gym this morning had no idea about it just saw this kind of gladiators on the tv right and was like oh yeah they're kind of machines we don't look at them as human you're like guys yeah like, the psychology that it takes to be an athlete is way harder than the, the physiology yeah no it definitely is because getting yourself to go every day i like even you know, you grow up as an athlete. I always thought this was interesting. You grow up as an athlete and you like, I don't know. Everybody's like, oh, are you going to make the Olympics? Are you going to make the Olympics? And I never really cared. I was kind of like, you know what? The, the Olympics are one competition. Yep. One competition. It's going to be what? Max three weeks of my life. And then I'm going to feel so empty because everything I've worked for, for my whole life is going to be done. And like, so I dove just because I liked it, just because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to like be my best and do my best with every competition. But like, there's so much like untalked about things that when an athlete retires or after the Olympics, there's such a down, like so many people fall into depression. And like you said, like, you know, they go to the weight room, they don't know what to do. There's nobody to push them. There's nobody, they don't have like the motivation to do something without having that competition, having that passion that they've worked for. Yeah. 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 Like be pretty much if you're, if you're an athlete, right. Pretty, pretty successful athlete. Let's mm -hmm. be honest. You got an addictive personality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of treading that line between genius and insanity. Like that's <laughs> just the way it is. Right. And I look at it in a sense of if we're able to, to help these people, 
and kind of give them something that's like, okay, now I got a passion again. You know, yeah. I can, I've got something uh, to live for, right? And I can work towards. Then mm -hmm. the contribution they can give to everybody else is unbelievable. But if we're just like, well, fuck you, you're no longer on the starting 11 or you're no longer jumping yeah. off a three meter springboard, right? It was like, ah, get out of here. Like, yeah. they're now going to do the opposite way. Like, people that can do the most good are usually the same individuals who can do the most bad. And I'm like, guys, if we just took like a second of our time to think about this, to help someone else, then they can then go off and help other people and rather than doing the other way. I mean, yeah, people don't think about it, but the amount of work that goes into like doing all this stuff, like it's such a passion that, like you said, if you can like, if an athlete can find something after that, that they're just as passionate about, they're going to work just as hard because that's all they know how to do. Oh yeah. Like that's all. But again, like you said, if you don't find something, then like, that's going to be it. You're not going to want to do anything because for the, you're going to like, even when I take breaks, I can feel it. It's like, oh, for the first time in my life, like I don't have to get up early. I don't have to go train five hours a day. I don't have to do this. And so you just don't want to do anything. But yeah. I mean, that's, and again, that's actually another reason that I came, I came here because without the support, like from the universities and stuff, it's so hard to get a college degree while doing sports. So it's so hard to like, mm have something else to to look forward to after you retire so like say me I'm doing I've always wanted to do marine biology always my whole life probably wouldn't have done that if I'd stayed in Canada because you know like it's cold most of the time I wouldn't have wanted to go in the water in the middle of winter but I came down here I came here for the diving because I, I mean I'm a little biased but I think Miami's uh like the best diving school in the country and then I said, well, why not do marine biology? Like so many people told me like, it's not worth it. But like, if I find something I'm passionate about after this, mm -hmm. then it's not going to be as scary. And so I've done it and I'm like, going to do my master's in it next year and like absolutely love it. But if I was, had been in Canada, I probably wouldn't even have a degree by the time I finished. Like by the time I retired, I'd have to go back to school after seven years or I'd have to find something else and there'd be nothing like you know I wouldn't have found that thing that I really want to do with the rest of my life I wouldn't be passionate about anything and I probably wouldn't know what to do yeah ha happiness is life's currency man you know yeah I uh, like it's I think everybody gets it twisted when they just need to make some big money or or whatever mm -hmm. right and I'm like if you can look after yourself and your loved ones around you do you really need much else yeah you know? and I think um I don't know whether it's it was a big thing coming here, right? Because they got something called tall poppy syndrome. So if you do really well, everybody pulls you down, right? And mm -hmm. I'm a, a bit of a history geek and um, can see that comes from the UK, you know, mm -hmm. colonialism and all that bullshit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. great. Every, everything's got the UK to blame, right? You know, <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can all agree on that. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Um, but I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense, man, because... People with passion within their eyes, in my opinion, is the most beautiful sight in the world. Mm -hmm. You're just like, you could be passionate about frigging tiddlywinks, right? You're just trying to flick this coin into the cup. And if you're just like yeah. going off, I'm like, you know what? This is awesome to see. Like, I, have, I have no idea what's going on, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you fucking go, girl, you know? And um, yeah. if, you know, there's more passionate people around, the world would be an unbelievable place. Yeah.
I mean, if people, yeah, if people supported each other, it would be a very different place. Very different place. Mm. So uh, yeah. talk to me about the psychology it takes to be a diver. Because I'm not taking it away from the 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 physical attributes, right? Mm. Because that's that's clearly unbelievable. Yeah, right? you clearly have to be strong as shit, flexible, mobile, like coordinated. All that is, yeah. I mean, that's obvious. But the mental side, yeah, that seems just out of this world. I mean, obviously, like anything, you can't. The mental is always the biggest part. Like you can't do the physical part without you're not going to get anywhere without a good like mental um like I guess passion like you said but I mean like I don't know I'd say it was a like when I was younger it was a lot worse I'd say so um when I was younger I had a lot of like mental blocks like when I was maybe like 10 11 like I just wouldn't go I didn't want to do anything and then Sorry, is that a cat in the cat. background? Yeah. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> There's two of them, the other one's sleeping. <laughs> uh, massive, massive cat dad. It's you know, yeah. I'm gonna be one of those old people with like 15 cats. No people, fuck people, you know. <laughs> Just the cats. Just cats. And they'll be like, what is this guy doing? Like, I'll be like grunting. People won't understand what I'm saying. Probably dementia. You as know, long as but... the cats understand, it's okay. 100 percent anyway I was uh yeah I was saying um like when I was younger I had all these mental blocks and then I kind of hit like high school I think and uh I like really got over them but like thinking back like if I hadn't gotten over them if I had something hadn't like clicked in my brain like I would never be where I am today and now it's kind of like it's again I don't do the 10 meters so the 10 meters is a lot more mentally challenging because yeah. it's absolutely terrifying i'm too scared to even go up there anymore i haven't gone off there since i think 2015 was the last time i did a dive off there but uh like like i said like there's a lot of uh just trust in yourself i think so i think having started like when you start something so young you don't really have the like capacity to think about it but you know you don't really understand what you're doing you just kind of do it because your coach tells you to and so I think doing that for so long kind of takes away the doubt a little bit, usually, especially if you have a coach that you trust. Um, so like, as an example here in Miami, like, obviously I'm very scared of, if I do a new dive, say I'm trying to learn a, a front two and a half with two twists right now, I do it with one twist, but like, I trust in my coach that he wouldn't tell me to do it unless I was ready. Mm-hmm. kind of thing so like that's the part that like you can like push it off to somebody else that like that worry you can kind of like if you have a good relationship with your coach which is so important you can kind of say like okay this isn't like I'm gonna figure it out like my coach is gonna help me and like even if I don't believe it like he's there he says I'm okay so I should believe it so I think that like takes a little bit of the stress off, but I'd honestly say the biggest, the biggest thing is competing. Like the biggest issue that most people have to overcome is figuring out what works for you in competition. Because I mean, a lot of people can do the dives in practice, do it well, but 
I mean, at the end of the day, you go to a world championships, you go to a nationals. Yes, you have five dives, but you can't miss a single one if you want a medal. You can't miss a single one if you want to make the world championships. You can't if you want to make the Olympics. So having that stress, I think, is something that and learning to deal with it is something that a lot of people don't know how to do. And that that can take away from amazing divers. Like I know people that are in practice and they hit every single dive and they get to competition and it just crumbles. Mm. They don't know what to do. And I think that's one of my biggest strengths. And one of the things that, I mean, other than being able to do the dives well, but like the fact that I can, I've figured out how to do it in competition. So like looking back at uh, say my first year here, like I was, I had just come forth at world university games, like winning nationals, uh, stuff like that. And I went to our conference championships, which is 13 schools. And I came like 25th because I didn't know how to compete. I didn't know how to do it. It was a bigger competition than I was used to. And throughout the years, I've kind of learned through trial and error, like what works and what doesn't for me and how to, and it's to the point where like, I know exactly how much stress I need. So like, I will like, like think about it, say like, how am I feeling? And then if I'm not feeling stressed enough, I give myself like, oh, this is really important. Oh, this Mm. dive, like, you know, like, don't fuck it up or something like this. And then I get a little more stressed. If I'm a little too stressed, I'm like able to calm myself down. And I think learning that is a, a huge reason why I've done so well these years, because I'm able to like turn that on and off in competition. Yeah. 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 It's called, um, I think the spot science is like over arousal. They call it in when an athlete kind of gets in their head and they, they get too much. Right. And they don't have that off yeah. switch and it just goes, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's true. Like, you know, I'll do it with a lift. If I get in my head too much, I'm like, ah, you can, all of a sudden you can't lift something. Yeah. It's game over, mate. I'm not picking that barbell yeah. up anymore. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> fucking on to the next one. Yeah. You I mean, know? you see that in every, I mean, you see it everywhere. Honestly, you see it in people giving presentations. You see it in people writing exams. You see it everywhere and that's the I think that's the difference between people that consistently do amazing in sports is because Mm. they have learned and have like listened to themselves and their body yeah and I mean it also comes down to like a trust in yourself so say looking back at uh maybe maybe this year because this year I had a crazy (laughs) crazy year it just kept like getting better but the start of the year I never could have imagined like say winning a medal world championships like I didn't even think I was going to make world championships but then like kind of slowly it kind of like snowballed in my head so I would like do out of competition and then I'd be doing well in practice and then because of that competition I had more confidence in practice and then because my practice I had more confidence at the next competition until by the time I got to worlds I'd done maybe seven competitions since like January, 2022 when I got to worlds this summer. And, uh, it like, wasn't even a question in my head. I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like this Mm. competition does not scare me. This is like anything else. I've done it so many times. Like, I know I'm going to nail this. And I mean, I feel bad saying it. I feel like I finally like figured everything out, but you know, some people never figure it out. Mm. 
like some people, I guess you need the right people around you, the right situation, but also like an ability to like trust in yourself. Like I've learned that trust in myself that I don't question anymore. Yeah, for sure. You definitely get those athletes who are, are training athletes and those ones are competition athletes, right? Like mm-hmm. it always used to piss me off. Uh, I, I've got no talent, right? It's like no kind of quote unquote God given ability. It's just like, <laughs> I'll just fucking work. Right. But you yeah. get those athletes that like turn up the training 30 minutes late, miss everything. Like my spot was rugby, right? They, uh, yeah. Dropping the ball every two minutes. Like, Oh, I got to tie my laces again. And the next thing you know, they pull something unbelievable out on the field on yeah. game day. You're like, what is this? And then you get the other way around, right? And they get in their head too much. And it's now as a coach, it's really fascinating mm-hmm. kind of looking at people. and like, I need to pretty much get inside your head and figure you out <laughs> and then ad- adapt how I then communicate myself yeah. to you. So to, to, to benefit you, right? Without you even knowing, I got to get in and out. It's basically like burgling, you know? It's <laughs> a good <laughs> gotta, way to describe it. I got to rub your purse, you know, without <laughs> you knowing about it. I mean, it's true. Like, that's what... You could never have an athlete without without a coach that that understands them and that, like, you know, like you said, gets in their head. I mean, that's the only way it works. I mean, that's one of the things... Uh, when I came here, my coach is very laid back, very relaxed. I don't think I've ever had him yell at me, get mad at me, nothing. Mm-hmm. And when I got here, I was so used to coaches being like yelling at me, getting mad, like, you know, all that stuff that like people think about when they think about high level athletes. Mm-hmm. And he was just the opposite. And it took me a good year and a half to figure out how to for, I guess for both of us to figure out how to like communicate with each other. And then once we figured that out, like, you know, whatever happened this year, I won nationals, got two medals at worlds and then everything kind of like, you know, exploded. I did so well, but Mm. at the end of the day, it did take me a long time to figure out how to communicate. Pause right there. Cause zoom's going to give me a kick in the bollocks. Oh, (laughs) just two seconds. Oh, good. 